everyone, welcome to the voice of Dr. Yan, and I'm your host, Dr. Limeng Yan. In this episode, again, we will discuss on cognitive warfare with our respectful and frequent guest, Edward Hogland. As you may already know, that Edward Hawkland is a retired federal senior executive and U.S. Air Force veteran. His over four decades of services in, in uh, include service as senior leader in the intelligence community and the Department of Defense, Homeland Security, Energy, and State. He served as a senior advisor to several IC、um, agency heads, the Assistant Inspector General for Inspections for the Intelligence Community, the Chairman of CIA Strategic Planning, a Deputy a Team Leader for the INF on-site nuclear arms inspections in the former Soviet Union, and as award-winning CIA intelligence analyst. He is currently an independent consultant focusing on cognitive warfare. He is also a regular host on the National Security Hour on the America Out Loud Network, and we have been uh, uh, did, uh, recorded uh, several episodes before. So in this episode, we will continually talking about the paper come from Chinese Communist Party on the cognitive warfare on restricted warfare, and also in this episode, we will. Involve uh, certain um, questions related to the current situations between America and China. So, thank you, Edward. Thank you for coming again. Well, thank you, Doctor Yin. Always a pleasure to be on with you. Always, always enjoy the、uh, discussion and helping others to understand how important this cognitive war is to to understand and to how to fight back. So、uh, as we have discussed, that China has developed the unrestricted warfare strategy, and also Chinese Communist Party is focusing on cognitive warfare against America and Americans' allies. And、uh, we also know that the similar thing has happened、uh, several decades ago in the war,、uh, in the Cold War between America and the Soviet Union. Uh, I have watched some movies recently.、Um, so the more I watch, the more I feel amazing, like、uh, incredible, how much、uh, Soviet Union infiltrated into the United States back to 1970s, 1980s, and、uh, the United States has spent quite, quite a lot of effort and even sacrifice to battle with、uh, Soviet Union at that time. So I know that you are very experienced in the history and in the intelligence、uh, about the Soviet Union. So、uh, could we,、uh, like, like、uh, because this time I just want to discuss with you the question first.、Uh, we want to start from the difference between the Soviet Union and China, and.、Uh, So in this case, I want you to share your opinions to our audience that. What do you think about the difference between the intelligence infiltration in the United States, which conducted by Soviet Union, and also which is currently conducted by the Chinese Communist Party? So, like, 
what kind of advantages or the disadvantages between the two regime and how deep do you think it is how uh, difficult do you think it will be for the it uh, will be for the united state to um, win this uh, battle against china this time well thanks for the question dr yen so there's a couple of points there from a historical perspective to look at so uh, the bottom line is, is China is, has a number of significant strategic advantages that uh, the former Soviet Union didn't have. However, if going back in history from 1918 to the uh, end of the Cold War, uh, the Soviet Union had infiltrated the United States very adeptly and multiple levels because from 1918 with the utopian dream here in the U.S., a lot of people joined the Communist Party. In uh, 1930s, they joined the, the fascist party, okay, which is just another version of socialism. And then through the 60s, 80s, and other aspects, same thing. In the Roosevelt administration, uh, if you go back and look at the Venona papers, uh, the Roosevelt administration was uh, filled with Soviet spies. The, the Rosenbergs and others and were just a few examples of people that were caught based on the Venona papers. So pre information age, uh, the Soviet Union was very adept at infiltrating the United States. Post-information age, which is in the uh, early 90s, right after the wall came down and right after the Cold War ended, okay, then uh, China took over and had a significant advantage in a number of ways. So first of all, is the United States is a lot more naive. Okay, with the Soviet Union, the Cold War, uh, we took decades to build up and explain to the American people the threat, understood the threat and such. Nowadays, many people still think China is not our enemy. They're just a trading partner. Uh, and despite the fact that they commit genocide to fight the subjugation of 1.5 billion people and such. And this is because our American youth and our politicians don't pay attention to history. So there's an extreme naivete in the U.S., which helps China significantly to advance their infiltration. And please stop me at any point here, because I have a number of points to go through here. So if you have questions, just interrupt me. Sure. So they infiltrate openly by and fund researchers, academics, uh, industry partners, and such. And so unlike the former Soviets, right, that you have diplomatic aspects and they had to work through diplomatic regions and such, <clears throat> they have free reign to travel throughout the United States with just a visa. They have free reign to come in here and work as students. And so they have 350, 370,000 students. I'm not saying all are spies, of course not. But what I'm saying is if they want to get access to something, they have a quarter million plus people to spread throughout the United States to join industry, to join CPA firms or whatever area they're interested in. And so it's significant. And then you have uh, folks like Congressman Swalwell, okay? Naive guy, okay? Liberal lemming in my opinion, but then he has a sweetheart deal with the honeypot Chinese spy, okay? And deals with that for a number of years. Then you have uh, uh, senators like Dianne Feinstein, who her chauffeur was a Chinese spy for decades. And so they've been, been building this, uh, uh, repertoire of different access points for a long time. So the other advantage is China thinks strategically. They plan strategically. Okay, so 
they've been implementing, as we'll talk about a little bit later, unrestricted warfare in actual efforts since 1994, 26 years, right? 27th years. So those advantages are significant. But the other main advantage China has, in my opinion, is to have a compromised president by his son, but also through the business dealings in China. <clears throat> so here's here's a American uh, vice, uh, vice president's son doing business with China, getting billion dollar deals and has no experience, but yet he's smoking crack and uh, dealing with prostitutes in China and smoking drugs and crack in China is a capital offense. People get hung for that, right? Not him. So do you think they have some video and other things on him? let alone what we've heard about uh, President Biden and his daughter in the showers and stuff. And so I suspect they have more than enough blackmail material and other stuff. And so now, not only do you have a means to infiltrate across the United States in our political arena on the left, you have a naivety of American public and you have a compromised president. So the USSR, the old Soviet Union, had a lot of advantages based on the construct that they were in. But now in this time and day and age with the information age, China fully understands with unrestricted warfare, the necessity and the importance of understanding the information environment. So with TikTok, with WeChat, with DNA data, with biological data, with the stolen OPM data, they've mapped out all the key, in my opinion, influencers, relationships and such. So now if they want to target certain specific things, now they have hundreds of thousands of people within not only the military force, but here in the United States to then go collect other specific information. And so it's, it's a, a massive a network that's unparalleled in the world in terms of collection and ability to impact and influence. So that's their advantages. I come to the weaknesses depending on your questions. Oh, yeah. So I understand what you described and exactly that is what we have seen. But thank you for your uh, summarize and also pointed out so clearly because we've been feel for so long that it's like Chinese Communist Party uh, has been spent a long time and little by little infiltrated into almost every corner of the United States. So compared to the Soviet Union, uh, because I don't have that much of understanding of Soviet Union's uh, his intelligence activities compared to you. But according to what I read, at least the China has more manpower to work in uh, the United States to help the communist China. And also, as you said, they have been into not only political field, they also focus on the academic field, uh, focusing on whatever field they can uh, even uh, if, uh, affect the presidential uh, election in the United States. And it's kind of, according to you said, you think that is even kind of successful for Chinese Communist parties, this kind of activities, right? So in this case, yeah. uh, we have since they have the more designed, planned, and also evolved tactics against the Americans. But it seems very difficult for Americans to remove this kind of influence and manipulation, which is also we are concerned about. Because Chinese Communist Party compared to uh, the Soviet Union is more like uh, parasites 
all the cancer cells. So they yes, invade sir. into America and infect America. And then they produce more this kind of small parasites or the parasites or small that uh, kind of uh, cancer cells and then spread again, working for the same purpose, right? So in this case, it sounds like, yeah, as Xi Jinping and the CCP believe, they are so powerful. Their unrestricted for, uh, warfare technique definitely work very well. And that's why Xi Jinping is so aggressive. Uh, even this time when Blinken visit China, Xi Jinping shows like the emperor, uh, the sitting in, in front of uh, Blinken, showing his attitude is like Blinken is much lower than him. So in this case, do you think there, um, the Chinese Communist Party, I mean, has so much advantage, even much better than Soviet Union. So do you think there is no weakness or do you think they have some weakness and how could we use their weakness to deal with them? Okay, great question. So uh, before I go back into the weaknesses, one of the aspects, look at the National Institutes of Standards and the National Institutes of Standards when we have standard body meetings and such. I have a number of friends who attend these forums and the Chinese government sends a large number of representatives, not directly representing Chinese government, of course, but Chinese to represent China's interests in, in these bodies. And so it's, it's wide influence. In terms of the weaknesses, uh, China is still a subjugated society, much like the old Soviet Union is. And so just like any society like that, the people there, from my perspective, and you correct me if I'm wrong, they realize they have to live within those boundaries of that society. Uh, and they don't like it. As anybody uh, who's on this planet has a certain amount of free will. And they eventually realize one way or another, the system is bankrupt, much as you have, much as others have that were, are in China now. They realize it's bankrupt, but they have to operate within that system. So that's a major weakness that we've yet to exploit fully here within the United States or elsewhere. Uh, even with the extensive mass of potential influencers that have, they, from my perspective, also having dealt with uh, some different trolls on social media platforms and stuff, they don't fully understand the United States culture and freedoms. And so even though they have a lot of students here uh, with a completely different culture, uh, it's for the heart, I think, for some of the Chinese Asians and elements that are trying to uh, counter the United States to fully understand and comprehend uh, not only the resilience and the ability to be persistent, but also the danger and awakening as uh, Japan did, awakening the sleeping giant if, uh, if they push too far with America, as they've seen some aspects of COVID. So the dictatorship, last thing here is <clears throat> all dictators are suicidal by nature, in my opinion, okay, she included. And so President Xi, as you've noted in your prior programs, has narrowed his body of uh, Politburo members down, right? Every one of those people has their eye on Xi's back, whether he, and he knows it. And so he has to balance not only that level of conflict and, and keep those people happy, he has to make sure that the people who are watching the 1.5 billion are also well taken care of. So he has a significant balancing act at the same time he's trying to then undertake this cognitive warfare against America. 
Thank you so much. Yes, Xi Jinping definitely has put himself into unstable position. Although, according to his opinion, he thought he already enhanced his power in China, and he thought that is very stable in China. Yes, compared to the previous chairman, Xi Jinping really had more power, and he's already a true dictator now. But they don't know that this kind of ideology and thought doesn't fit in the modern society, especially for the society like America with democracy, with freedom, respect, human rights. And that's why we can see when Chinese Communist Party using their propaganda to influence America, it shows very naive and uh, stupid and sometimes even very crazy because they try to just uh, put their ideas into your brain and they even didn't understand the basic knowledge of a democratic country. And uh, yeah, so I, I really uh, appreciate your opinions on this question. And so let's move to the next question, which is, so based on what you have discussed, we know that America is under this kind of uh, invisible attacks by China as how America under the attacks uh, back to the Cold War from the uh, Soviet Union. And uh, at this moment, we know that it's a crisis because the geopolitical uh, situation is more and more intensive. So that means the counterintelligence teams in the United States have more uh, uh, responsibility and also need to work harder to uh, uh, counter their enemies in China, from China. So in this case, uh, could you share your opinion that what do you think will be the uh, difficulties in the collection of the intelligence during the, this kind of invisible battles against the Chinese uh, Communist Party. And also, uh, is there, uh, compared to the Cold War period, is this more difficult for Americans or uh, is this more difficult for the United States to analyze the intelligence you collected? Yeah, so uh, thank you. No, no, so great. So. So first of all, they, let's talk about the obvious. Okay, so just look at me. Okay, I'm a Norwegian Polish heritage background. Okay, in a former Soviet Union, I could get by uh, as walking into the Soviet Union and participating in different things and such. And without the information age, uh, they had to rely on other humans to do the tracking and other things to monitor agents, or recruitment, or other stuff like that. Right now. Take me, middle-aged white guy, put me over in China. Okay, I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb, right? And you and I have talked about this before. There's very few people inside the intelligence community who have Chinese heritage or Asian American heritage, right? And even if they don't stick out like a sore thumb, now you have the information age. And China has put in a massive surveillance network that you're very familiar with, right? The, the social credit scoring, okay? The surveillance network and cameras around the whole country. Uh, the DNA and, and uh, biological capabilities, so they could do a certain amount of DNA biological trapping. So if I'm a human intelligence type guy and I wanna try to recruit someone or do something, you know, and they have my DNA and such, and I come in under a different name or something, 
you know, there's all sorts of issues trying to hide my real identity because China stole all the OPM data. They have the DNA data from these other sources and stuff. So they have a variety of countermeasures to then track and identify those. Lastly, uh, China has also locked down the internet. And so access to information and stuff within China and such makes it very difficult, okay? All those things in the Cold War, we didn't have to deal with to that extent. But also, because we were also, again, middle-aged white guys like myself and others, it was a little bit more easier for us to walk around former Soviet Union and, and do certain things. Now with China, it's very difficult. Now, that's within China. External to China though, I think we have pretty much the same advantages because uh, China has not a good reputation around the world, right? They are perceived in different places as then uh, basically raping and pillaging the country for their own benefit, okay? Although they go in there as the benefactor, the people on the ground actually then see what the reality is and find uh, that the whole deal is distasteful. So if China has those disadvantages, but because we fail to map the information environment in the United States, we do not have that same level of understanding that China has of the influencers and other stuff like that. So they continually, in my opinion, outmaneuver the United States in every region of the world for the most part, because even if they don't have the upper hand in terms of trust or other stuff, they have the upper hand in terms of knowledge of the information environment, the influencers, and then how to manipulate, uh, buy, uh, you know, or, or cheat in different arenas, economic, political, or other aspects. And so and the last thing aspect is China has a massive army of citizens that they can deploy to do this, right? 1.5 billion people. So they have 350 million people they could take and deploy forward to do different things around the world, right? That's the, the equivalent of the United States population. So all those things give them some tremendous advantages over uh, the U.S., which makes it, one case outside China, fairly easy to collect, but there's huge amounts of information to collect in. So it makes the challenge, what do you collect on? And then within China itself, again, as I mentioned, all the uh, social credit scoring, the cameras, everything else, surveillance systems, and the tracking of people with other people, it makes it very difficult to operate in that realm, period. I agree with you for all these points. Yes, the strict surveillance camera in China is layers by layers. Basically, they can catch any rat in the field, I think. So it's it's almost impossible for America to do the uh, even similar uh, activities against uh, China as how China did to the United States. And also one thing, as you mentioned, uh, outside China, there is culture difference, language barriers. And uh, as I have felt that I, when I experienced in, since I came to the United States, I realized that first, the lack of understanding of China is a very serious problem because most of Americans learn it uh, from the TV or other media and even the books. Those are all the kind of censored or even the propaganda content. So this kind of things has already, as we always talk about it's a strategic deception. It's already successfully cheated naive Americans. 
And also, Chinese Communist Party using United Front work or using other agents and other pro-Chinese Communist Party campaigns to uh, kind of control or manipulate the people who understand Chinese language. So that means when you Americans need to analyze the intelligence or other things, if you rely on the translators, or uh, if you rely on the tools provided by China, even Google Translation, China can change the translation to make it looks very, I mean, make it very ridiculous when you try to translate certain English into Chinese or reverse for some sensitive, <laughs> that kind of sentence or content. So in this case, a lot of barriers, it's much more than only the firewall between Chinese and Americans. As we always discuss, China has implanted the things in not only China, also Americans' brain, and that will affect their understanding and the decisions, and that will help China to make Americans make the uh, wrong decision against China. Yeah, yes, and, that's a great point. So oh, if, I, if you don't mind, is, is that when you talk about the indirect influence, so, so China doesn't have to come back to the listeners. They don't have to come back and directly target Dr. Yen or myself and say, you need to love China or this or that. No. What they'll do is they take a look at the divisions in the United States, take a look at where we have potential issues, and then watch that social media discourse. And within that stream, they'll feed certain pieces of information to then exacerbate and expand that uh, disgruntlement cause additional chaos, cause additional issues. And so they're very effective at that. So it doesn't have to be in your face disinformation. Matter of fact, as Dr. Yin has mentioned in a program many times, it's very subtle, but it's very nuanced. But because they map the information environment, they know the key influencers, they can very adeptly get in there and take care of that. Exactly. They know how to little by little building on the facts and then mixed with certain disinformation, which make it looks real and then little by little change the logic. It's basically like you want to build the, uh, build the wall, but then little by little it becomes a little bit uh, not stable and finally the wall will fall down. So that's how they try to finally achieve their goals. No, it's the same way that the old Soviets use, is that you're, you're standing, for example, you're standing on a roadway or bridge. And slowly but surely, they take a piece underneath that bridge, a piece underneath the roadway, and wash it away. And before you know it, the bridge or the road collapses, and you didn't even realize it was getting ready to collapse. Now, the Soviets did this with the Communist Com the Communist International, with, with, the, with the Chinese Communists. They're doing it with the United Front and others. So they use many of the same tactics and techniques, but now with the information age and technology, they use, they can do it more subtly, they could do it with individuals, they could do it in masses. So they have much more flexibility in how they operate this cognitive war. Yes, yeah, so that means it's kind of very serious and very urgent issue as you always advocate for American uh, intelligence community, other legislators, everyone who involved into that. It is for everyone in America because it's for the national security. And uh, let's have a short break. And after this short break, we will go back and continually uh, discuss on the uh, cognitive warfare 
restricted warfare, and also the this how Americans should deal with Chinese Communist Party in this battle. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true: airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has. Creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein, so you can feel your very best. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. AmericaOutloud.com. If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought, working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Voice of Doctor Yan. I'm your host, Doctor Dimeng Yan. In the last section, we、we'll、discussed the intelligence activities、uh, between、uh, in the United States、uh, between Soviet Union and China with our expert Edward Hawkland, and we talked about the difference and also the advantage and the disadvantage、uh, when when we see this kind of infiltration in the United States from the two regimes, and also we are. Going to continuously talking about、uh, the current situation based on、uh, the recent visit、uh, to China uh, by uh, State Department Secretary Blinken and Edward. You may have already watched the news that in Beijing, Blinken get the very unpolite treatment, and China government basically show a lot of. 
very subtle details try to intimidate the United States, uh, including that uh, send very little people come to uh, pick him to the conference from the airport. And also even later, when Xi Jinping suddenly agreed to meet Blinken, he show like he's the emperor and Blinken is sitting there like one of the lowest uh, kind of uh, officials to Xi Jinping. And in this case, I mean, we, we don't need to talk about this kind of rude details happen in China because even for Chinese, for me, I do feel that is very student, <laughs> like the little kids playing these tricks. But we we know that for people like Xi Jinping, this kind of dictator, they want to use this kind of detail to satisfy themselves. It's kind of psycho, I think. And what I want to focus is <laughs> Blinken has uh, emphasized that after the conference, after the meeting with Xi Jinping, he said that upon the, he visited China, one of the most, I mean, basically the most important task for him actually failed because the, he won't help United States to restart the military hotline with People's Liberation Army with CCP. And Xi Jinping refused this request. So in this way, according to this failure, what do you think about uh, it in uh, I mean, the implication on this failure. And why is that, for example, why is that important? And why do, uh, why do you think that Xi Jinping refused to restart the military hotline? Thank you. No, thanks for the question, Dr. Yan. So first of all, let me say the whole diplomatic affair there was, in my opinion, a significant embarrassment to the United States, a significant embarrassment. I felt embarrassed for our country uh, with Blinken Blinken going over there, uh, basically on his knees and begging, and, and it came across as begging she for a number of things, including the fentanyl and stuff like that. And how we put it in America is uh, Blinken is trying to put lipstick on a pig, okay? The pig is still a pig, it's still ugly, but he's trying to put lipstick on this pig or another, another euphemism is that, you know, he's shining the turd. It's still a turd, but you can make it shiny. It may be nice, but it's still a turd. And so Xi, I think, played this masterfully. And so it may have been, uh, it, it is somewhat psychotic because psychotic he's a narcissist, like all dictators, okay? But he played it very well because for the world stage that he's portraying this, he showed the United States coming to him. He finally made time, but only at the last minute. And so the message he's sending is the position of strength of China, the weakness of the US, and the weakness of the US going to China to beg him to stop the fentanyl and to beg him to start these military relations again. You know, again, a total embarrassment. So what was Xi's uh, task here? Well, in my opinion, he wanted to create additional concern, doubt, and fear, right? Because to your point, culturally, the United States doesn't understand the unrestricted war and what China is doing, right? If if he wanted to uh, and plan to truly do a military strike to take Taiwan and stuff, I think she would set up these diplomatic relations from military to military. Why? 
because it's part of the deception aspect. Yes. The fact that he doesn't didn't do that doesn't mean that he's uh, not capable of starting a military strike or something, because as I said, all dictators are suicidal by nature. But what he did is he sows doubt in those people who are already weak, like Blinken and President Biden, and leaves them wondering, like our Secretary of Defense, Austin, is where's he stand? What's she trying to do next? And they, he gets them to continually focus on the military and the kinetics. But as you and I know, that's not the real war that's taking place here. The real war that's taking place here is in the cognitive domain, the human mind, and this ideological subversion of American society. And so there is no benefit to Xi to start these bilateral military to military again. It was more his benefit to cause that chaos and doubt and concern and then leave Blinken standing there, like you said, like a little grade school kid, okay, wait for the teacher to give him his uh, slip so he can go home. Well, yes, yes. So that really has implied that Xi Jinping actually, as you said, he, he doesn't care about this kind of military uh, communication because in, inside, I mean, inside his mind, he doesn't really care to use, really want to use the military force to fight against America because he is actually focusing on the other side, the invisible side, the cognitive side. Exactly. So, so then let's uh, further discuss about the why after Blinken get back to U.S. and so America is already humiliated and it's already the t after the deadline of the disclosure of intelligence related to COVID-19 origin, then why after America has seen how uh, aggressive, how arrogant CCP and Xi Jinping is, until now, it's kind of nothing happened to the disclosure of COVID-19 origin. Is that because American side become weak? Or is that because, as someone always discussed on media, any secret bargain has been made and so this uh, intelligence will be suppressed and the COVID-19 origin will, uh, investigation will be stopped. I don't think if it's like that, I don't think it's fair to everyone suffered from the pandemic. It's definitely not fair to the people who lost their lives over 20 million at least all over the world. So could you share your uh, ideas on this issue? Why we haven't seen the uh, disclosure or what will happen? Well, so, so my opinion on this is this goes back to the domestic cognitive war here in the United States. So the President Biden and the left used the China flu, the COVID-19, okay, to subjugate the American people. And Neil Gorsuch, the Supreme Court Justice, uh, recently wrote that, you know, American people too willingly gave up their freedoms and too fast gave up their freedoms. But when the Biden administration and Democrats then pushed this subjugation, they saw and so does Xi, how, how willingly the American people felt into compliance like a bunch of sheep, right? And, to, and the sheep going to slaughter. So now why would they keep it covered up? Well, because the Democrats and the lemmings here in the United States have already reinforced Xi's false narrative. They've done it for the last several years since the COVID flu, since China, the flying of China flu. So 
since that narrative is already out there, if they're to go back and then highlight what the reality is, all it does is then paint the administration here, Biden administration, in a negative manner. Okay, so this is part of the problem with the Manchurian president and being compromised by Xi. He has a, a double whammy here. One is he wants to side and support Xi, and he's doing that through solar nothing. But the other side is that in the propaganda message, they pushed the narrative. It was from someplace other than the lab. Now, all that's coming out to be false, just like we're seeing the other aspects of the false and the dossier and stuff. But for the American people, what's the sad part here is because our attention span is so short in America, culturally, people move on. <laughs> and so even though they point out all these different aspects and a million people here in America were murdered by this China flu, several million to 10 million worldwide, they move on. They forget about this. And same thing with the fentanyl. She agreed to uh, try to stop fentanyl, but he's going to trade it for another drug with the cartels. It's probably more deadly. Yes. So they're killing 100,000 Americans a year, and they killed a million Americans the China flu. There's no accountability. So my opinion is, is that uh, one is it's always hard to counter a narrative that's already out there, and you basically reinforce the false narrative. But here in America, because our mainstream media is just basically the fifth column sub subverting their America, they continue with that false narrative on the COVID thing. You know, they continue still to blast you, right, for all uh, what you're trying to bring up. They still continue to attack you. Why? Because yes. they fed that false narrative. And if the American people understand how much they've been lied to by our mainstream media, by our president, by our administration, then it's going to undercut and subvert their efforts to maintain power as much as possible. And that's why I think it's an uphill battle to, to get the real story out. Yes, so that also shows uh, from one side to show that how powerful the cognitive warfare and unrestricted warfare can be because they use something not weapon, but more attractive like money, reputation or collaboration, all like that to tie these Americans with them. Even they, these Americans, they don't need to be uh, involved directly into this bioweapon development. They even don't need to know this. China won't tell them. This is a secret for Xi Jinping. But these people are so, I mean, so useful for China as the tools. And they, they will like desperately defend for Xi Jinping and for CCP in the COVID-19 origin investigation. They, this is really shocked. And uh, so that's why we still need to make a lot of effort to push it forward. But uh, I want to tell that I still keep my uh, have my faith in uh, the freedom of America as long as we can speak out, as long as we still can fight. So we still have the hope and I believe we will win. So now I want continuously, uh, continuously uh, to talk about the topic we have uh, discussed in the previous episode, which is about CCP and the People's Liberation Army specific tactics on cognitive warfare, because we need to talk to people like how they use it in reality. So as we just discussed in this geopolitical situation in the pandemic, these tactics are all well applied to people around us, to ourselves even. So what exactly CCP want 
do and what exact how exactly they can do these are described in their own documents and these are mostly speak uh, written in chinese and no english version can be found so here i because and for our audience i just want to let you know that edward and i have been uh, in working on these documents for quite a while and edward had managed to translate by himself to read it and also i will um, read part of uh, the poems like the quote the original words uh, to you from their uh, the, this Chinese Communist Party's papers, and we will have our discussion based on this uh, specific description content in CCP's internal documents to let you further understand how CCP little by little to build their strategy and to develop their tactics against Americans. So. As we had discussed in one famous journal written by the Chinese uh, colonel Gao Jinghu, uh, colonel or general level, high-ranking uh, officer in People's Liberation Army, he claims himself in many documents uh, as a leading strategic uh, expert for CCP's uh, unrestricted technique uh, unrestricted warfare and the cognitive uh, tactics, especially strategic deception. So this is a paper published uh, in 2020 by Gao Jinghu, which we had mentioned in our previous uh, episode, talking about the strategic deception and the covered actions uh, against America and other countries. So in this episode, we want to be more specifically to dis uh, discuss certain points, and we will continuously talk about this paper to uh, show you the whole idea from these People's Liberation Army officers. Uh, officers. So first, uh, uh, let me quote, one part of the uh, initial part of this paper. It said, in the art of war by Sun Tzu, it emphasized the importance of strategic deception. It believes that deception can significantly change the situation, which extends the effects of intelligence in the outcomes of the war. It is to apply intelligence into operations. So Gao believes that strategic deception is a strategic method to reach the goals which can achieve the loss of the dece uh, deceivers and achieve uh, tactical surprise. Strategic deception can significantly change history. During the deception, intelligence and counterintelligence play the co-rules. Intelligence is a prerequisite to make the deceptive plans, the key to evaluate the deception, as well as the only way to reveal the deception. So this is what I summarized from the initial sections of this paper. And here, uh, what do you think about this description, uh, Edward? How do you think about this when they said uh, this as well as the only way to receive the deception is also the deception? So what does it mean? Well, so great question. But the, so it's it, the couple of key points here and, and, and Colonel Gowley does a very good job of laying this out. So one of the key aspects of the whole paper is 
in the United States, our intelligence community is used to support indications, warrants, stuff like that. What Colonel Gao lays out in his paper is intelligence moves from a support role to an operational role. It drives the whole process. It drives the whole function. It drives the strategy, strategy and strategic plan, everything. That's not the case in the United States. In the paper I wrote on cognitive warfare back in 2019, one of the key points I made in that paper was the need for American intelligence to move from an operational support role to directing the operations in the cognitive war. Colonel Gao gets that. The other key aspect is two points. He focuses on, on strategic and he focuses on information. Okay, Strategic, because if you have the information environment mapped, you don't change the world overnight. As we talked, you take a piece underneath the bridge, underneath the road, one step at a time. And slowly, for surely, you undermine and subvert the enemy that you want, thereby enabling strategic supply. Information. So the whole aspect of his paper I found, which was fascinating, is it really goes down to what I had written about in my uh, theory of the information equilibrium, which you can find on my blog. But the theory of the information equilibrium in quick summary is basically those who control the flow and access to information, okay, that provides you the means to then control the game, the war, and everything else. And so what Colonel Gao is saying through his deception processes, control the flow and access to information to then drive the deceit you want, drive the actions you want, and get others to react to you. And therefore, not only do you create the deception, but you create the environment for successful war. And this is why Xi doesn't care about the military, military relations, because he's being successful in this cognitive war and subverting America on many fronts. And yet we have no idea of what's happening. Yes. And then let's go down to see the next part. Gao has mentioned in this paper, uh, by the way, we always link the full contact, uh, although it's in Chinese, of this paper in the voice of Dr. Yan in the article after the uh, broadcast. So if anyone has interest into this full text, uh, you can go to the voice of Dr. Yan and check the link. So here, when Gao, Colonel Gao uh, finished the summarize, he started to little by little uh, pointed out the describe the main method of CCP strategic deception. And the first thing is, the first method, he said, is to seize the right to information. Interfer uh, interference the, interfere the enemy's cognition and induce them to make the wrong decision. To further uh, support this method, he said, Chairman Mao Zedong said that blocking the eyes and ears of the enemies as much as possible makes them blind, uh, blind and deaf. To confuse their leaders makes them, uh, makes them crazy, and then you will win the war. Mao also said that taking the advantage of people's war to block information and cheat the enemies can efficiently make them misjudgment and also miscalculation in the actions. Then will lose, the enemy will lose the dominance and the initiative. So do you think this is a very important method? How do you think it would work in the reality? So it's working very well because as a, as a theory of the information equilibrium, I point out, this is what uh, the difference between dictatorships and freedom is. And 
what the adversaries like China and others who like to drive dictator and subjugation fully understand is, just as you said, seize the right to information, block the information. So it's controlling the flow and access to information. And they do it in such a subtle manner that those who are participating aren't aware. And so they manipulate them. And as they have manipulated Secretary Blinken or Secretary of Defense Austin and continue to manipulate the American public through these different methods and means. And so it is goes back to the control and access information. So it's been very effective in what they're doing. Okay, yeah. So what's the next method they mentioned? They said it is to hide one's real purposes and achieve tactical surprise. So according to the Art of War, the Chinese ancient military tactic book, first of all, it is to hide the real purposes, then spreading the misinformation lures the enemy. The information given to the enemy or not, both can be weaponized. Do you think they really have a good idea in this? Well, look what's happening with Taiwan. It's look over here, look over here, Taiwan. We're getting ready to invade Taiwan. But the, it's all deception because what they're really doing is completely subverting the America in my, many ways and no one's paying attention to it. Exactly. Right? So it's a, a very effective strategy. And it's amazing to me, the cognitive dissonance that our uh, generals and intelligence community and uh, mass security leaders have in this arena here. They're continually focused on the kinetic and they completely forget the cognitive. What's the most important domain in the world? It's a cognitive domain, domain of the human mind. And China and the unrestricted warfare understand this. And our military has written about this. Our intelligence community has written about this, but it's all conceptual. China's been practicing this now for a couple of decades. Yeah, so actually last year when we tried to tell uh, Americans that uh, Taiwan, yeah, it's important. It's important for Americans' national uh, uh, security, but don't only focus on Taiwan because at the same time, China tried to undermine America, even take over America, right? So if they can make this happen, it doesn't matter whether Taiwan is independent or Taiwan go back to China because as long as they get America, Taiwan, of course, become, uh, get into CCP's pocket. So, uh, but I mean, at that time, people thought it's too far-fetched, a little bit too far-fetched. They cannot imagine that the battles happen in U.S. How could we have a strong military? We, we, I mean, China is so far away. We didn't see that they send the military, the troops come to the United States. <laughs> yeah, so, so this, is the, where, this is where people get yeah, stuck please. in that paradigm. They're looking for a military conflict, and yet the enemy's already inside the gates. And, and completely effective in what they're doing. Yet most Americans don't understand how far down the road to subjugation we've gone here with, with China's strategy. Exactly. So we know that these are the only first of the two methods Gao has mentioned in that paper. Actually, he has mentioned almost the 10 methods. And so in this episode, of course, now we don't have enough time to finish uh, discussion all of this point by point. But I, I believe that this will be um, useful for our audience, especially for those in among our audience who have interest to uh, the intelligence analysis of the collection against China and especially to protect America. I think this will provide you uh, 
different and special way to understand CCP's tactics against Americans. And so before we finish this episode and before we continue it next time, Edward, we, uh, what else do you want to tell our audience? We have like one minute. Well, Dr. Yen, thank you very much again for having me on. Uh, all hope is not lost. So what China has done in unrestricted warfare and cognitive warfare, they have many weaknesses we too can exploit, but we have to start operating that paradigm. So it's possible for us to win, but thank you very much for having me on again. Thank you so much. And thank you for our audience to listen to the uh, voice of Dr. Ye every Saturday and Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Our broadcast will be on a mark out loud and also iHeartRadio. After that, you will listen to it through uh, various free apps like the Spotify, Pandora, uh, podcast uh, all over. Thank you so much. Thank you.